HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Jacobson Salt Company, America's leading salt maker. Learn more at jacobsonsalt.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-S-E-N salt.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring food for the eyes, how the art and culinary worlds collide. It's incredibly elaborate. It's a feast for the eyes, a banquet dinner with garnished ham, turkey, and an array of accompaniments. We shot uh, baguettes with like paint dripping off of them with the blue, white, and red from the French flag. Oh, what did the student tell me? They said, the camera eats first. And it's so true. It's so true. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I would love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. Big thank you to Jacobson Salt, who is our sponsor today. Today's theme, what is Bon Chung? It never ceases to amaze me that after years eating all sorts of food from all over the world, you can still find things you've never heard of. And not just an ingredient, but an entire dish like Bon Chung, which I hadn't heard of until recently. It's a Vietnamese Lunar New Year's dish made with glutinous rice, pork belly, and fish sauce, mung beans, and shallots. Described like a Vietnamese tamale, the ingredients are wrapped in banana leaves and cooked overnight to meld into a delicious cake. I sat down recently with Deep Tran, who's the R&D chef for Red Boat Fish Sauce, to talk about Bon Chung and her Bon Chung Collective. She's bringing the tradition of this dish into the 21st century, and she was on tour spreading the gospel, Bon Chung, and I had the chance to sit down with her in New York. Listen in. Hope you enjoy it. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Yes. Thanks for having me. So can you introduce yourself and tell me what you do? Okay. Um, my name is Deep Tran, and I am the R&D chef of... Red Boat Fish Sauce, and I also um, do uh, an annual event called the Bunting Collective. Awesome, and that's why you're in New York right now, right? That's why I'm in New York. Awesome. Yeah. What is Bun Chung? Uh, is a, uh, you know, people call it like a Lunar New Year cake, but Bun is like a catch-all word in Vietnamese, so it's a, this is more like a dumpling, 
you Got know, it. or like a like a Vietnamese tamal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's in a banana leaf, right? Yes. Yes. Rather than a tamal, which would be in a in a corn husk usually. Right? Well, it, I, I I liken it to um, uh, a Salvadoran tamal. Oh, okay. Which is or sure. like or if you're from, uh, I forget like. Uh, I think uh, the Yucatan mm-hmm. they use they also use banana leaves. Got it. So. so, so, what is the sort of goal of the collective? Is it to make the banchong for the lunar new year? Is it to share in teaching it? What's the what's the goal? The goal of banchong uh, of the banchong collective is all of that. You know, uh, to make banchong, celebrate it, celebrate lunar new year. But it has a, a larger goal. One is you know I just started it. Um, it was like a um, an informal collection of friends, and like, you know, I I'm just I'm just the one that was like, hey, let's really do this, and I wanted to. It's just like a a time to, like for me, it was like, I was still um uh, I still had a restaurant at the time, so I was, like, I was super busy, and I said, hey, let's just like want you know, let's just do this. I'll provide everything. Just come, and I just wanted to like, be in a group setting with a bunch of women making banjung which is kind of like you know men do make banjung but it's 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 a lot of time it's women getting together and Got it. it's like a it's like a a quoting bee or you know just that kind sure. of like woman's work that i really like and at the same time it's this i kind of like i always like to look for the subversive uh, in, 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 in kind of like these domestic arts, you know, which is like, it's the time when you can, you have an excuse to like send the men folk away, you sure. know, because you have to do work. And then it's kind of like a rowdy time for the women. It's usually a, a bun, uh, like the typical bunching, it's like huge, like a, like a seven by seven um, uh, square uh, dumpling. Oh, okay, much bigger than I yes. expected. Yes, and then yeah. three inches high. Okay, oh so wow. So it's huge. So it's like a cake. It's like a fruit cake, yeah. you know? And it's, it's it's it lasts a long time. You gift it out to friends. You get some shit, some back. It's, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, so it usually takes like, oh, it's an overnight vigil. So the women get to hang out overnight. They play, you know, like in the north where I'm, 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 I'm culturally from northern Vietnam, you know, the women play a certain kind of card game that when you play it it's 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 kind of it's these little markets that tell you yeah you're definitely from the north okay you know sure. and not that men don't play it's called tamkuk you know and it's not that necessary men don't play it either but it's just kind of part of like it, it just is colored by this like woman's realm and you know and, and being queer you know like i always try to find women only spaces and then queerize that somehow you know yeah. um and also i wanted to just so it, it is like a the celebration of women but also like to be a firm connection with women uh, to re- and also I wanted to not just be about Vietnamese American women or Vietnamese women uh, but also about like you know for me my community is not just ethnic- uh, just based on ethnicity but right. it's also women of color the sure. solidarity com- uh, communities so it was just like a way to like uh, broaden what I uh, for me the celebration of that beyond uh, the familial because sometimes the familial is actually not the safest space for people to be in sure. and that's especially true for a lot of queers you know and um, with something like that, it is usually a time. It's a very heteronormative, like a lot of holidays. You yeah. know, it's it's the that is when you acknowledge new births, you acknowledge new marriages. You know that you become you you fully become an adult once right. you have a baby. Right. Then, because that's once you have a baby, sometimes it's sometimes it, people. I think there's some people like sometimes when you have a baby, then you you start. 
you stop receiving money and you start to give out money mm. because you become you ascend into adulthood mm. you know or sometimes when you get married now the the that target has changed sure. you know because yeah. <laughs> then the adults are like um we're fucking having to give money to the fucking th- 13 30 year olds before you know when you were 18 you were done you're right. like married and sure popping out kid yeah that's very so. that's an interesting point that the that the cultural sort of markers of when you are actually an adult i mean i moved out of the house the week after i graduated from high school when i was mm. 18 years old and i never lived with my parents again mm. i mean i love them and i have a very close relationship with them and always have but like i was like i got a job i'm out i'm going to college like i'm doing my own thing i'm on my own exactly yeah you know so that and you know those are the markers of you're like yeah. a fully yeah, sufficient yeah, yeah, yeah. person sure because hopefully by the time you have your first child <laughs> you will be able to support them <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but you know, again, those markers have changed a yeah, little bit. Yeah, of course, of course. I I love the the that the sort of history of the Bonchong making is this kind of coming together of people, especially women, and that you're sort of carrying that forward. What it reminds me of from my own life is that my mother was part of the consciousness raising movement in the 1970s, mm, sort of feminist mm-hmm, movement, mm-hmm. which was you know it, not quite the same because actually there were very clear guidelines they weren't allowed to cook. Like, mm-hmm. it was this breaking away from, like, the women's work in the kitchen yes. things. Mm-hmm. But it was about women getting together and sending their husbands away or their partners away and having the time as a group of women to talk about issues and things. And, you know, but they were very specifically not allowed to cook. But it sounds like kind of some of the, um, whether stated goals or just the things that happened surrounding that gathering mm-hmm. are very similar. Yeah, I mean, because also, our, you know, we were all women in food professionally. Got it. So it was all our profession. I mean, they weren't all, you know, some of us were chefs, some of us were pastry chefs, you know, so there was like, yeah, or like some of us worked in PR, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so but in food it's all, Yeah, it's, so it's, it is like a, um, a decide, like, you know, I... We, we did this for several years, and I uh, she's just like, oh, what do we call ourselves? I was just like, oh, let's just meet up for a bunch of But I'm like, we should, like, I think we're becoming a group, you know? And I, I and then, so, so I'm like, oh, what about the Bunjang Society? I'm like, I don't want, it's just like, it's too formal. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like a little stuffy. And yeah. just, you know, and I'm like, we're like a bunch of broads, you know? <laughs> you know, like, that's, you know, so, but then I was like, oh, I don't, feel, I don't think we think it's going to. I, I just feel like at some point you name yourself you kind of think about the outside world you yeah, know yeah. and so I just kind of like the idea of a collective and this and, and, and people are a little confused you know because a collective is a certain thing but it's really it's almost like a it's a collective that just convenes once a year it's, it's not like a convening but I just yeah. like also a convening was also too formal too right there's something about a collective that seems really fun that's awesome so, um, and so is this the first time you've brought it to New York this is the first time I've brought it outside of California so uh, New York is the first stop, um, but yeah, we've been doing it for like eight years. Um, two years ago, um, I I um, invited folks outside of my personal network. Oh wow! Because I because when I was I still had my restaurant Good Girl Dinette. It was you know I was like I was busy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you know after uh, after. Um, uh, I closed the restaurant and I said, hey, I, there's no reason for me to keep it small. And so it moved from like, sometimes we got up to like 20 people, you know, you know, uh, previous years. And sometimes we had six because it was like attrition, <laughs> you know. But uh, we ended up getting like 120 people last year. Wow. So the second year is like 140, you know, with all the volunteers, it's yeah. like 160 at a farm. But um, but yeah, so, and then Dennis Ngo from D&D, uh, had been following us and says, "Hey, bring it to New York." And I'm like, 
yeah, let me think about it. And I then I at the by then I was already working for Red Boat Fish Sauce, and I said, hey, you know, want to sponsor me to do this because you know, I mean, we always have used Red Boat in our. It, it makes a total difference in the bunjung because bunjung is so simple. There's like very few ingredients. There's a glutinous rice. There's uh, pork. There's fish sauce. There's mung beans, and there's pepper. I mean, like it's it's very and shallots. You know, like it's super simple. So this now is I one. Make it. It's it's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. Um, you know, I'll send you a kit. Oh, thank it's you. Super fun because a lot because we have to limit the, the amount of people who can come sure. in a day. Yeah. So I also I just say, hey, you know, here's a kit. You can buy the kit. And oh, neat. It's not as fun. You know, it's sure. just there's something about like no, it's but like I would a tomalada. You know, like, yeah. There's something about. No, I mean, I'd, and I'd love to do it. It'd be fun to do it with my, like my kids and my niece and nephew and like, yes. like teach them about it because it's very, you know, I mean, whenever you're doing hands-on stuff, I mean, I teach them about, you know, we make sauerkraut and we do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. handmade tamaki and sushi and like nice. all the hands-on stuff they really love. So it feels like it might be kind of a fun thing to sit around a table with everybody and kind of explore. Yes. Well, especially because the way I do it, my bunching is not seven by seven by three. <laughs> I was going to say, I saw some pictures on your Instagram. It looks a little smaller. Than yeah. That. It's like yeah. a, it's like a mini corn dog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 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 it's perfect for small hands, but nice. at the same time, it's also like, you know, like being a chef, I'm like, mm, I just want to make this different, you know? Sure. Like, like, but it's I, nice to portion it that way too. I mean, of course I'm thinking now and I'm like, well, if my kids like it, then they can take it for lunch. Yes. Right? Like yes. then it becomes a portionable thing that they made. Exactly. And like there's a whole thing in there. Yeah. But it's it's also like, you know, when you make like a big bunchung, you, you cut it up usually with like a, like a string, you know, cause it's very oh, sticky. Sure. Yeah. A knife yeah. is just going to get, it's just, a mess. you're going to, you're not going to lose, you're going to lose that knife in the bunchung. <laughs> the knife is going to lose. Uh, or you're going to have a, 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 a knife that you will never get clean. <laughs> Be <laughs> so covered the, in rice. Yeah. yeah. And the glutinous oh. rice is like plaster. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, so th- this is is tiny. It's um, because it's it's smaller. The cook time isn't that much. Um. I mean, the the longer you cook it, the better the rice is because the rice. What you what you end up doing with a long cook time, like an overnight cook, is that the rice melts and becomes like a you know becomes a dough versus uh. it's it's it's, it's uh, that's and that's why you use glutinous rice sure. too. But um, when you cut it up, it's kind of like you you can see the layers a little better. Yep. But I like to have every bunchung to be encrusted with wonderful glutinous rice. Yeah. So it kind of like you enrobe it. It's almost like little little mini chocolates, and you enrobe it <laughs> <laughs> with some 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 more chocolate. Um, so I I love it, and I kids kids really love it because it's so manageable. It's very hard to do a big one. Sure. Um, I, I, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, they, some are like, oh, I don't really feel this, but like the ones that get into it, yeah. you just love it. Cause it just really, they, because it, it can be an obsessive project. It's, right. I kind of like, I don't I'm not religious, but it's pretty meditative, nice. you know, like it's just, then you want to know, like, it's almost like it's, you kind of want to make it better each time, you yeah. know? And then there's this, and it, it's. I love a haptic art that, like, you can, um, there's many ways to get to that end product, you know? So, anyway, like, I, I can just zone out for, like, four hours and just, like, make them do yeah. this thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, That's um, awesome. um, and we, I mean, when we started the collective, 
it was like I said I remember making it with my grandparents but it's been so long like at that, that time like over 20 years someone says I know what it looks like and so and these are Vietnamese women and someone was like well I, I, I wrapped it but I didn't do the cook time because I went to sleep I woke up and the bunching was already ready and so I'm like you know what with all this and YouTube, we can fucking figure this out, you know? <laughs> and so somebody wanted a tama- tamale pot, which didn't work. <laughs> you know, like all these different, yeah. you know, I mean, we had a, a form of success, but um, we didn't cook it long enough. So we definitely, we made like soy, which is glutinous rice and everything. It's just like, it's just steamed just enough. Yeah, you know, uh, to have the rice plump up and cook, but that's not that you want it to melt. Yeah, and so every year we started getting better. You know, like w- one person started using doing a sous vide, but the sous vide took even longer. Oh, you wow. know, but I'm like, oh, and then and then one year, um, somebody brought the instant pot to make mung beans. My friend Aaron brought it, and then they're like, hey, let's put a let's put some bunching in there, and I was like, oh, that totally worked. But then we wanted to tweak it a little bit more. And so just every year, like, whatever we learned in the group was just, like, kind of honed it to, like, okay, let's, how do we make it better? Traditionally, it would have just been in a steamer? Like, in a bamboo oh, no. style? Uh, how, how is it normally cooked? Oh, um, every, like... January the 2nd is when I start the bunching vigil of, of, on Instagram where I like I because that's when the pot starts to show up it's a huge pot it's uh, usually outdoors okay you know and uh, it's just like these beautiful like campfire kind of pots and then you know like people who are really into it because there's multiple pots you wow. know and um, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous thing and it's it's you just all, um, you you do a hard boil because they're, they're pretty intense okay. and you just keep on putting water in. Oh, okay. Got to, it, got it, got it. And overnight. And um, and it's so funny. You know, I'm, I'm 48, 40, 47, 48. I don't remember anymore. Um, but uh, um, I started to see young people po- post on Vietnam about their bunching fails. Because you don't do it right, the the bunching, uh, the the water evaporates and yeah. you burn your your bottom bunching, right. and then the other bunching doesn't get cooked, right? And so there's all these bunching fails, oh, which I funny. thought was just hilarious, just like the the whole young people embracing their failures, yeah, sure, <laughs> you know. So, but um, but yeah, so I I I I love that because it's it's very romantic, you yeah. know, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, mm, yeah, okay, we can have romance in other ways. Like, uh, how about we make tiny cute little ass you know bunching and uh so with an instant pot i feel like the instant pot is 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 was a game gate game changer cool and so instead of six hours or overnight um we make our bunching in 40 minutes oh so you pressure cook them pressure cook for 20 so which is like an hour cook yeah but i mean that's much better than having to stay up all night (laughs) yes and it was so funny like um this I just did my um, my bunching in LA, which is the first which launched the tour. Uh, somebody said, "Oh, you know, I can't really stay here, you know, or it's gonna take too long. Can can I cook this at home? I don't, I don't want to wait an hour." I'm like, "Of course." And I said, "Well, how do you, how do you cook it at home?" I said, "Do you have an instant pot?" She goes, "No." And uh, and I said, "Okay, well, you're gonna have to cook it for six hours." <laughs> right. Either stay here for an hour or go home and spend six hours. Yeah. You know, and she's like, because she was all complaining. I'm like, "Girl, it's not six hours. Okay, it's like an hour." And I we're serving you pours. I mean, it wasn't, like, you know, but but I think I I think it's like I, I I'm not getting any money from Instant Pot, but I'm just like maybe people are like gonna like 
Yeah, yeah. You're, it's going to change get the... a bump in, like, Vietnamese people, it's because yeah. everybody realized, but the bunch of Right. There. So you can, because mine was smaller, like a bigger one, you, you maybe you do an hour. Yeah. You know, but seriously, it's, it's, it's amazing. And um, when you make a big pot, um, what you do is you, um, all that, all that pork, because it's made with pork belly, it's to do it right. Yeah. You know, and I hate, I hate when, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong, but, right. like, you know, <laughs> but you do the pork belly because you want it to be really, really rich. Sure. And it makes it just really luscious. Right, right. You've got all the fat and the gelatin in there. Yes. Yeah. It gets trapped in the, all the rice. But when you do it in a big pot, it leaches out. Not, not, not too much. You still have a flavorful bunching at the end. But what we do is put in a food saver. With some water, so that we have enough to cook it, we take as much water, um, air it out as we can. So what it does is it whatever it leaches out gets absorbed back in, right? And it would it is going to be the most um, it the 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 texture is going to be the most tender yeah bunjin you've ever had right and the fattiest yeah <laughs> you know there's and it's, it's just it's magical you know and then what I I I try to give the lily so we deep fry it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and so it's like the the sweet rice puffs up, makes has a really beautiful. I mean, what it's the the frying is like a it's like my take on uh, on what you do to bunjung. It's like you have a, a bunjung that's seven seven by seven by three, so it's sure. a lot to eat. So usually maybe you'll have like a quarter. You eat a quarter, or maybe you eat half. Right. But you have this other half. Right. That the next day, what do you do? Because once you unwrap um, the bunjung. It dries out. Yeah. So what they what um, you know um, people would usually do is just cut it and then smash it and then pan fry it. Okay. You know, but I like to I like the fryingness, but I also wanted to have a tender texture. Yeah. So this way you get the fry crispy outside and tender yes. inside. Yes. I mean, if you only deep fry once a year, this is the one. It's this, worth it. It it is. It's it's uh, it looks different. You know. It's yeah. I I I love. It. It's, I'm it's sold. My I'm gonna way. I'm gonna make it. For sure. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Jacobson Salt Company. Jacobson's Flake and Kosher Sea Salts have garnered worldwide favor for their beautiful presentation and pure taste. In addition to an extensive assortment of pure sea salts and infused sea salts, Jacobson Salt Company also produces a line of salty confections, honey, cocktail salts, seasonings, gift sets, and other pantry staples. Harvested from the cold, pristine waters of Neatarts Bay on the Oregon coast, Jacobson Salt Company is a favorite amongst professionals and home cooks alike. Founded in 2011, Jacobson Salt Company's mission is grounded in craftsmanship and community, maintaining the vision of providing the very best cooking ingredients, from hand-harvested sea salt to single-origin honey. More information on Jacobson Salt Company and their extensive line of products can be found at jacobsonsalt.com. So let's uh, let's talk about fish sauce. Yeah. So you have, I, you know, I, I read some other interviews, and you often mention your grandparents as one of your greatest culinary influences, yes. and that they, when they came to the United States, were completely like 
beside themselves that the fish sauce was terrible. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, and, and my grandparents were entrepreneurs, like, they were, they hustled every hustle, you know, so one of their hustles was, they, they didn't make the nikmam, but they helped in either, like, the distribution of some, or, like, gram, like, grandma said, like, yeah, there was one time where, like, I, I maybe I imagine this, after a while, your, your stories about your grandparents are all, you know, sure. but, like, legend, right? Yes, <laughs> but he was, like, the, my grandma was the, the brain, my grandpa was the brawn. You know, so he would be like fairing, like I just imagine like a bicycle, a very very rickety bicycle with some crates of nikmam in the back, yeah. and just like fairing it to one village or another. You know, um, but yeah, my my grandma, you know, like she also like made cakes. I mean, she just like any did rice futures. I mean, it was just like she was she came from a small village, so super ambitious, and like she like she she wanted to like. She wanted to be like a, a you know, like a, a lady in town, you know, versus just a village, you know. Yeah. And she she did it, and um, so she was. It, food was always a big part of like her either her business or the way she fed people or whatever. And she was just in a she had a great palate. I think like the um, what makes a great cook is a palate. That's a, that's it. Like if you that's how she can recreate stuff. You know, like, you can eat, that's, I mean, that's kind of how she also made some enemies when she was younger, because she'd be like, she'd go to the market, and she was, oh, somebody's making these cakes, and they taste great, and I know exactly how they did that, you know, and then she would make, she would improve on it, and then she'd open a stall next to them, right. <laughs> you know, like, just, yeah, she's, she was super ambitious that way, <laughs> uh, but so her palate's really good, so it's kind of like a blessing and a curse, because she comes here, she loves to cook. Uh, and we made charcuterie, like Vinmi style charcuterie jalua, which is kind of like a mortadella. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, she would make it, and every Saturday is when the the Vietnamese congregation met at church. Uh, we were Catholics. Um, she would make jalua so that after church, she'd be like, hey, she'd like cut the jalua into, um, into little cubes put toothpicks on them and it made me and my siblings go out and say, hey, would you like some? If you want, it's in that VW bus over there. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, that was, the jalu was also wrapped in, in banana leaf, you know? And so she was always hustling. So trying to make food in the U.S. was so difficult. I mean, she ended up making it work, but yeah. she's like, oh, just like, I just remember being, and then the, and the scene happened every time. They would go to the market, the Vietnamese market, and their favorite Vietnamese market, and they would just look at, because there's so, there's a plethora of fish sauce. The brands are sure. just, they just kind of, you glaze over. You know, like yeah. when you look at like a bread selection <laughs> in the supermarket, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, and, and especially for someone like me, I mean, I love Asian markets, and I go to them all the time, and I love strong fish flavors, and I actually would love to make my own fish sauce, just maybe later we can talk yeah, about that yeah. but you know I go and I look and I don't know the difference between them right like I mean Red Boat is awesome because I it's a brand that I know and I've found and really I do find it to be delicious but I am unable to go into a Vietnamese market and look at 17 different kinds of fish sauce and some of them are chunkier some of them are clear some have shrimp on the label and some have squid on the label and like have any idea what the differences are Exactly. And the thing is that you, the, at some point, there, there wasn't that variation. It was just like once you look at the label, you just know it's just, it's full of all these things they try to make taste fish sauce like, you yeah. know? And uh, I just like, 
because I'd had to follow them to the market uh, many times. I'd be like, oh, the fuck, you know, I'm like, just pick something, you know, like, I'm just... Because <laughs> they were looking at every single one. No, they, they would just be in front of the shelf, just <laughs> sighing, just sighing, just sighing, kvetching, <laughs> you know, like, just, you know, like, uh, and then I'm like, what is, you know, just pick something. And they're like, they, they know what brand they like, you know, after trial, but they've always, they're always in search. And I, you know, and I, and I, and I said, just, it, it just all things the same to me, you know, and, and they just look at me with just like such um, uh, derision, I guess, and also <laughs> pity, you know, like you don't know because you never, you don't remember the taste of right. it, you know, and it's like, you know, they would, they, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, Gung, um, the uh, the founder of Red Boat always calls it like fish sauce is a backbone of a lot of Vietnamese cuisine. Yeah. So it's like one, you know, that is like the foundation of so many things. Right. You know, when you it's like in French cooking, you need good butter, right? Yes. Like yes. without good butter, exactly, it's going to be not as good, right? Yeah. Or like, you didn't shit bricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so I they they would just like they. Even though they knew, like, after decades, they knew that this is all the selection, they would still, like, hold out hope and just look at that shelf. Maybe they'll find something. And so when I, um, when I did, um, when I read an article early, it was like when Red Boat launched, uh, I said, what? This, because every label says, Nuk Mang Yi, which is supposed to mean, like, you know, like the, uh, like an unadulterated fish sauce. The one that you, it's like the first, um. I mean, they call it the first press, but, you know, because for lack of a better word, but I think it's the first extraction. Right. Because, you know, I mean, you are pressing it. Yeah, but it's not the same as, like, pressing olives or something. Like yeah, that, and, and, you know, I just feel like extra virgin fish sauce, there's not <laughs> such a thing, right. you know? It's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's extra funky. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so I just felt like I had found, like, a holy grail, my grandparents. You know, and then when I tasted it, because I don't remember the taste of it. Sure. You know, I, I left it now when I was six. So uh, I was like, oh, I fucking get it. Like, I get why you'd still want this taste and still search for it for decades yeah. later. So that's kind of like, you know, like, that's why the red boat is like, super, for me, like, super key to the bunting is because it is like this, you know, this, it's, 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 it is like something I feel like if my grandparents were alive, they're like, yes, that is that is a good stuff. You want this right. for thin. You don't want to, you, you know, like thin is when you like are generous. But another way to think about it is when you show off. <laughs> you know, like you you seriously gonna wear some fake stuff? You know, <laughs> use some fake stuff. Right. Or are you gonna use like the real this, stuff? Yeah. This is the stuff. This is when you show off. Yeah. This is you show up and you show out. You know. Sure. Yeah. So. Totally. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, fish sauce, for, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, is made usually with, you know, what we term anchovies as kind of like a broad yes. term, but small fish that essentially are just put in, are salted and put into a vessel and left to their own devices with the enzymes. And what happens over time is that it breaks down sort of all of that flavor. And what it yields is, you know, as Deep said, the kind of, you know, the be the backbone of a lot of what we think of as Vietnamese flavors, I think, in yeah. this country. But it has a lot of uses outside of that. Totally. I make pesto with fish sauce instead of Parmesan. And uh, that, that was pretty, you know, I was like, I'm going to try it. I don't have any Parmesan. Let me, yeah. let me just like, let's uh, replace great. one umami with another. Yeah. It's really, it is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, I mean, it's only, you only need a splash. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that's the thing is that, and I feel like the first time, you know, when I was in my 20s and was kind of really like moved to New York and was like, oh my God, I have access to all this stuff. I was like, you know, oh, let me try this. Let me buy some of this fish sauce. And I, the first time I like used way too, I like put it in greens or something and mm. I like thought of it like vinegar. You need a splash. And I put in so much <laughs> that it was like way too intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I every year I do a turkey brine oh. for Turkey Day and um, it would change your life. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Last night I was at a friend's house and they were uh, they had just made some squash soup and they were like, it, it seems like it needs something. And I was like, well, do you have any fish sauce? Mm-hmm. And so we just put a little splash of fish sauce into the squash soup and it was like just what it needed. That's, yes, yes. And it's funny, like, you know, when we tell like, oh, how do you make fish sauce? It's like anchovies and salt, you know? It's simple. Not so simple. You know, like right. like just like any kind of fermentation. Yep. It, it You do really have to, it is a it is a, a, a practice in terms of paying attention. Sure. Knowing when, when to pull from, Yep. when to extract when not to red boat ages theirs for like a year you know but even then like you can see you, you still have to track the changes yeah you know um but yeah i i i feel like um people people have a squick about fish sauce i go well why don't you try our red boat salt caramels and then i will yeah i want to talk i want to talk about that so you guys also just did a collaboration with um uh Little flower, little flower, but also yeah. with—is it Valeria? Va- yeah, Valerie. We Valerie all, yeah. Infections. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 for the Lunar New Year, we wanted to launch um, a sweet and um, Valerie uh, Confection. Valerie Gordon of Valerie Confection is a wonderful chocolatier. So I was like, hey, you know, would you be interested in doing like a salted cashew? Because cashews are really big in Vietnam. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam supplies a lot of the U.S. cashews. Um, uh, so I said, well, what a, like a cashew chocolate bar? And she's like, I'm on it. So she was really gung-ho for the project. And so, uh, yeah, so we have this wonderful chocolate. Uh, we'll send you some. <laughs> it's it's delicious. And so it's just like a way to... And the thing is also that that was actually to showcase our salt. Because Red sure. Bull uh, invests in two ingredients, black anchovies and the salt. And Gung, um, he is very particular about his salt, you know, because if you don't have two ingredients, it's right. You, you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. They better so, both be good. Yes, so he's very uh, particular. So uh, that being the case, when once you extract the liquid from the um, from the anchovies, the fermented anchovies, what you have left are just like um, the salt that's left. Because sure. you know, it's it, like just like sea salt, it just rises up. It's 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 a state. It's it solidifies. Yep. And so, because the salt was so amazing, I think one of the chefs went. Um, uh, sometimes we invite chefs uh, to a, the barrel house to, to to see what's going on. Because I mean, like, if, especially if you don't understand what how fish sauce is really made, okay. it's really eye opening. Yep. And you got to get to respect the product a little more once you know more about it. And one of the chefs just like like oh what's what's clinging onto those barrels and he goes oh that's the salt and so somebody tasted it and said oh this you should do something with this and right so just it was just a byproduct right yes yeah and so because the salt is so good because if you use shitty salt then it's too accurate you know so since the salt is like such high grade uh, we started to do the salt and i said you know like let's do some let's 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 make some product out of this to kind of like showcase like all it's diversity diversity but yeah, but like people are definitely using salt in like caramels and, you know, 
It's awesome. Uh, cocktails for sure. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah like sure. a Bloody Mary. Oh yeah. Anything, anything where you use like a Worcestershire sauce. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean oh, those those have anchovies in there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Or Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as you know, how how is it for you to have gone from having a restaurant to your role now as the R and D chef for a fish sauce company like? It seems like it employs a lot of the same skills in terms of thinking about food, but also it must be very different. It is very different to to not have to do payroll at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're in a restaurant, you you know you, when you own a restaurant, it's this like you you never sleep, yeah. uh, which is like which is the bargain you struck, you know. For and, sure. And uh, I love doing it. Uh, we 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 were just priced out in terms of rent, yeah. you know. Like at some point, I'm like, damn, the rent's gonna go super high. And, you know, we were fighting it as much as we could. And I'm like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be in business just to pay for rent yeah. and, um, and Postmates. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so I was just like, oh, it's like, and, and my body, you know, yeah, I, as I got older, I'm like, I just couldn't do yeah. 12 hours a day anymore. You know, it was like, and, um, yeah, so I just, I was just like, I felt myself aging and I, you know, I, I, I think there was some part of me, like, I just couldn't delegate the way. I needed to mm-hmm. to like grow older and still have a business. Sure, you know, so um, that was just not a forte that I honed very well. So I was like, it's time to go. And uh, as much as I felt sadness for it, you know, I just felt like you know I have because like I have other ambitions, other passions that you just it's it's a uh, you, you just can't do. You, Unless you delegate, you can't do it all, right. you know? And so uh, I said, okay, well, now that I don't have a restaurant, what do I want to do? And uh, I said, you know, I know, you know, I have deep compassion for restaurant owners, uh, you know, for many reasons. One being that, you know, I grew up in a restaurant um, family and just kind of saw how hard it was for workers, mm-hmm. you know? And that, yeah, hard it is to like, especially being a Vietnamese restaurant, like having to be cheap, you know, like the idea of like this, like just like this stranglehold um, that um, Vietnamese restaurants are under to like remain a certain price point, even though uh, it it means a lot of human suffering, you right. know. And so I said, well, what can I do? Like, well, how can I, I how how can I like help other Vietnamese American chefs do what they want to do? Try to. Uh, pay workers better you know how can I you know what what can I do to help them with that because I find like I, I'm still in the fight I just don't have a restaurant anymore sure you know so you know like places like uh, you know any place that I feel like is trying to break out of the mold you know um, I really try to try to support and that's kind of how what I see myself doing at Red Bow too is like you know shining a light on chefs that we really love especially chefs who we know like you're doing something different and just like Red Bow you know Red Red Bull is, you know, we we didn't want to use cheap product. We wanted to invest. So, you know, like, it was kind of like a symbiotic role where, like, I think that's Red Bull's value, too. Like, they, they understand the value of quality, what it means to, for people, you know. And so it's, yeah, we kind of want to support that, you know, that entire movement towards, like, um, breaking Asian um, ingredients and Asian cuisine mm-hmm. out of like the cheap eats realm, you right. know. Not that you can't be affordable, all this other stuff, but you know, it's like immigrant cuisine is like so. It has this like just this onus to have to, uh, to to have to provide food at such a low price, yeah. no matter what the cost is. Yeah. So I, I I find like I I feel like in some ways I'm like I'm more effective. 
Right. You know? Sure. Yeah. Like RIP GGD, but you right. know, like I'm good, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I think if I was really ruled my money, I wouldn't have opened the restaurant I opened. Sure. You know, I, I have a lot of debt from the debt. If I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Closing the restaurant, you know, <laughs> but I don't have a little regrets because I feel like in the end, um, uh, if I see any staff, um, on the street, I don't have to avert my eyes. I right. didn't cheat them, right. you know. And right. it's, it's a rarity, yeah, sure. you know. And it's like, it, so I was like, and usually it's like, especially restaurants that are that failed, they usually stiff their staff in the right. very end, yeah. you know. So I made it sure, like, when I knew I couldn't afford the rent anymore, I looked for someone to take over uh, the space. I said, oh, give me a month and a half to say goodbye to the neighborhood and also to help my staff, like, not worry yet. They have a month and a half to find something. Yeah. I could help place them. Yep. You know, like, it, obviously, I'm like, I can't guarantee everything, but I'm like, uh, you're going to get a month and a half. You're not going to get two weeks yeah. before, you know. And then this month and a half is going to be incredibly crazy, <laughs> you know. But it's a, it's, a, it's a way to, like, if you need it, like, you know, keep this job and find another job and you know like you know just whatever it is like yep. I, I just feel like I, I'm good I'm good with how it ended yeah that's, you know I mean I have a lot of respect for you for having done it that way that's really yeah. a lot of people don't so yeah and no shade to them because they're just no it's hard I mean it's an exactly. incre- closing a business I mean I've done it. it it is an incredibly difficult mentally taxing physically taxing monetarily economically taxing time for people and you know you have to just get through it eventually yeah i just didn't want i didn't want my staff to be holding the bag because they are you know all everybody they're the ones that live hand to mouth yeah. you know and uh you know, and my, my vendor, it took me two months after I closed Oak Pay Him, and he was a little worried. I'm like, look, I am good for it. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, I, so like all the, all the debt I still have, they're, they're, they're personal friends of mine. So I'm like, okay, it might take me till I'm 80. Right. But, but I'm going to do you. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's that, that's the stuff that I feel like uh, I feel good about. I feel like, yeah. So I have like total peace with it, and I, yeah. I and I, I still get to be in food, but in right. a different way. Yeah. And I love, you know, I I think I uh, I I kind of like being in a sporting role, you know, like it feels good and it, it's exciting. Like, yeah, and I used to work in nonprofits, so the idea of like service is like you know, yeah, it's something that feels good for me. Yeah. So uh, after New York is the Bon Chung Collective. Are you doing any other San events? Francisco. San Francisco we're going, next. We're going to San Francisco. Okay. Um, every every spot in this tour has some like personal like ha- has it has its own charms. You know, like L.A. Obviously, my hometown. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, New York. I really love what D and D is doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm like. This is exactly the kind of restaurant I'd love to to do the uh, bunting here, and uh, in La Co- uh, in uh, San Francisco we're partnered with La Cocina. Oh, cool! And I love La Cocina. Yeah. It's mission. Yep. Um, <clears throat> You know, our, our site for um, for the Los Angeles Bunchung is at Alma Backyards, and it is a program that um, that welcomes back formerly incarcerated folks uh, who work on the farm, and just like, it's, in some ways, I think, you know, um, people get locked up, and then they get locked out of their community, yeah. you know, and it was like, I love what Alma does is in a very in a very indigenous way not a savior way uh, a way that's like you are part of our community and we love having you back you know and you contribute you know, in, in wonderful ways and we want to acknowledge it so it's like you know I, I, I love that message 
and also especially with like Vietnamese Americans like you know no one wants to admit that you know a lot of Vietnamese Americans are incarcerated like it's like a, a, something they just want to not deal with and I love the compassion in which Alma um, does their work so you know like it, it, it tugs at my heart in a different way right sure. so La Cocina you know that they you know like they, they rep women of color businesses yep. you know like that's what they do and they encourage it and like they are such a their place where it's not like you know the women are like kick ass already but they just needed that extra you know that, that institutional help yeah. to get them to to, to to have their you know the, their talents shine you know and so I love that and actually um, I called up Caleb uh, who's the ED of uh, mm-hmm. La Cocina, said, hey, I really want to bring um, uh, the Bunching Collective to San Francisco. Do you know a space? Because I just feel like if from L.A., I would just choose the shittiest place. <laughs> and, and it would be like everybody in, in the Bay would like, I would never do that there. Right. And he said, well, well, what is it that you're looking for? And I said, oh, you know, I just want a communal space where people cook. And, you know, like here we're doing 140, you know, so something like, you know, that kind of um, uh, uh, that kind of space. And he goes, well, you know, we only have a capacity of 40, but we do a tamalada where they do different shifts. Oh. And so I'm like, so they do 250 people. Uh, wow. They turn over 250 people in a, a day for the tamalada. I said, oh, this is perfect. I hadn't thought about doing shifts that way. And so I just said, Let's me add, let me add one shift and see what happens. And it sold out. And then we added another shift, and it sold out. And we added another shift, it's 120 now. It sold out. And he was asking for more. I'm like, I'm not sure what I want to do yeah. another class, right. you know. But at the same time, like I'm like... But you don't want to turn people away. Exactly, you know. So I'm just... I, I might kill myself. I don't know yet. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't, like, added the fourth... Uh, fourth uh, shift yet but that's that, that's probably why I'm gonna die early because I just like can't say no you know <laughs> but um but yeah I love that you know like it's uh, this is a exactly what BCC you know I, uh, BCC is, yeah. is about it's just like you know bumping community having solidarity work um you know across communities you know so I said I would love to do it at La Cocina if you'd let me that's really that, that's amazing. So, uh, as we sort of wrap up here, tell me where can people find out more information about Bunchung Collective and about Red Boat and about your work? Um, you can uh, well, you can follow us on Instagram. That's like the best. Uh, so follow us on Red Boat Fish Sauce uh, or me at Deepet D I P D wait D I E P E T T E like Babette but Deepet. <laughs> Um, any, or you can just go on the website redbookforsauce.com or goodgirl.net that's the only place that goodgirl.net exists is like online, <laughs> online. but um, yeah that's still my kind of like parent company awesome well thank you so much for thank taking you. the time this morning to chat Thanks for listening to Feast Your Ears today. You can find more online at redboatfishsauce.com and you can follow Deep on Instagram at Deepet D-I-E-P-E-T-T-E You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. You can find me on email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Feast Your Ears is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.